recorded live. If you're hearing the sound of my voice right now, that's because you're either listening live and you tortured yourself with hours and hours of tech troubleshooting, or you're picking up a pre-edit copy of the Scuba Obsessed podcast. Come back in a few hours, and we will have an edited version all ready for you. Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast, we talk about all things scuba diving, from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba to news. Scuba Obsessed Episode 226 is recorded live January 8th, 2015. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jolson coming to you from the sub-zero part of the great state of Michigan, which I think at this point is probably the whole damn state. Joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I'm a little bit cold. I think I've off-gassed all the helium I've used today. <laughs> uh, and I'm glad to be here in southwest Michigan uh, with you on the broadcast this evening. Yeah, and south, I don't know if south is any warmer than north, but I, yeah, who, who knows. But also filling in this week for Jim Schultz, we have Dave Toneman. How are you doing today, Dave? Doing great and trying out my dry suit undergarments to stay warm in the house. In the house. Now, you are approximately the same latitude we are, but you're on the east side of the state. Is it any warmer? Um, no. <laughs> and for those who may be listening at a different time, different location, wondering what we're talking about this morning, it was negative 8, and that is in Fahrenheit. And I think I calculated it to be negative 30-some in Celsius. Because what is it? Fahrenheit minus 32 times 5.56. I know we had a negative 27 wind chill factor when I was doing my yard, or I should say shoveling snow this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're mowing your yard? <laughs> now, that is hardy. <laughs> well, it's a new snowblower. Yeah. Now, is it? Yeah, could you do, uh, I mean, would this be a good time? Say you had a little side side discussion. Say you had a lake and you cleared all the snow off it. Could you run sonar across the ice and would it be reading the bottom? Generally, when I've seen the guys ice fishing, they cut a hole first before they load their sonar probe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, was just, I, was just... I, I think the, the, the qualities of the ice would probably block the signal uh, or at least uh, degrade it significantly. I was just dreaming. Because, you know, I mean, wouldn't that be cool to be out in Lake Michigan and you could be mowing the lawn in the middle of winter? Just finding those wrecks. You would have to be a good ways offshore because you got so many... Uh, Blocks of ice where it's crunched up against it, so you have pressure waves, yeah. pressure, pressure ridges. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and get on into the news. We're recording a little bit later tonight. Normally record at 9. We're at about 10.39, so we're going to pick up the pace a little bit as opposed to our, our normal leisurely pace. Let's see. What's the first article we have up on the docket. We have a new rule is costly for dive companies. And could you figure out where this one was? I, I my interpretation is this was Hawaii. Well 
the Aloha Tours gives me a key that it would be somewhere in Hawaii. Yes. Yeah. So a local dive company, meaning if you're local to Hawaii, the State Department of Land Manage, uh, of Land and Natural Resources costs the dive company tens of thousands by implementing prematurely with little or no notification new requiring business to obtain permits for commercial shoreline activities. Mike Hopkins, president and CFO of Aloha Koloa Tours, is running a snorkeling tour December 23rd off Lawai Beach and said that the DLNR enforcement officers shut him down. We lost a lot of business over the holidays, he said. The state didn't seem to understand that they need to communicate with people. Hopkins said he was never given a deadline to obtain a new permit. Altogether, between the back and forth and being told he couldn't, then could, then continue operation, Hopkins said his company lost four weeks worth of business, estimated at between twenty dollars and $30,000. I don't have a problem with paying fees, he said. I have a problem with them coming in and stopping us in the middle of a tour. Kevin Cram, owner of Snuba Tours of Kauai, said he was first notified a new equipment requirement in late October. He's been shut down ever since trying to sort things out, a process he describes as frustrating. As I went through the state and county people to try and figure out who I needed permission from, nobody knew anything about it. Last week, however, DLNR Division of Boating and Ocean Recreational Kauai District Manager Joseph Broden confirmed that he and other operations had until March 1st to obtain the permit. Was never required. Yeah, cited. Cram said better approach. Wait, official announcement and said three other companies to comply. Since late October, Snoopy Tours lost about fifteen thousand in business, according to Cram. The company started running tours again on Tuesday and is working to obtain the necessary permits. Hopkins say he may be the only company able to get one. We have a permit, and the rest of the gang is scrambling. DLNR spokesman Deborah Ward did not respond to the request, and this is by the GuardianIsland.com website. Chairperson William Allah, however, told Hawaii News Tour on Sunday that although there is a new rule, the department is not ready to implement the permitting process. He apologized for the confusion. Okay, doesn't this remind you of another permitting process, Mac? I I don't know. I'm I'm just so confused here because if I and my family went out to snorkel, would I need a permit? No, I think this is the new trend of anybody who makes money doing something, the government wants their cut of it. Not that you're because because they're because what they're what they're probably thinking is, oh, you're going to claim you don't make any money running an operation, so you're never going to pay me. So I'm just going to charge you up front for the privilege and then, you know, kind of make you register so that I know who you are. Well, you see an item costs 200 per month or 3% of a company's income. Now, how do you determine how much of the income is based on snorkeling versus scuba versus whatever? But just, 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 uh, it's just 3% of everything. That's just, what I'm just saying. Right income, how do you, how do you justify that? Hmm. And is it local, one island, a whole area? I, it, it'd be interesting to have more detail. Yeah. But, but how, how obscene is it for the government to pass something and to not have a process for giving you the permit? Uh, as you mentioned earlier, 
Yeah, you mean like in Niles where you cannot yeah. metal detect unless you have the permit, but they don't have the permit? Right, right. They've never. Yeah. And, and the funny thing about that is there's people who claim they have a permit. Well, how can oh, they have a permit? The board. If, yeah, yeah, on the board. Yeah, but I have a permit, wink, wink. Well, what's even more confusing is if you go to Hawaii's DLNR website and you start looking for this information about permitting and commercial activities, there's nothing any newer than 2013. So it looks like they've created a requirement without letting everybody know that it was going to be required. Yeah, but then, but then it, you know, it sounds like there were some who knew about it or had heard about it, and then there were some who didn't. But then they had officers asking you for where you we need your papers. You must have yeah. And so, how did they know they need papers if somebody cast yeah. you know, it? They lost fifteen thousand dollars. How much are they really making snorkeling? That's that's there you go. It is Hawaii. But I what I'm what I'm thinking is uh you know, what does Hawaii lose? I mean, uh, if Hawaii is one of those, for many of us, it's going to be a once, maybe twice if you're lucky. If you're Bob of the Mud Club, it's a yearly thing. But for the rest of us, mere mortals, you're only going to get to Hawaii once. And then you, and Hawaii would hope that you would influence a lot of people back when you get home to go. So what's that experience like? I'm going to go on this once-in-a-lifetime trip. I'm out in a boat. And then the tour operator gets shut down. Sorry, everybody, you can't go in the water. Or you're there. And... Was that when Obama was there on vacation? <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to go there. <laughs> Not yet. We'll, we'll, we'll circle around later on. But this is just a case of bad, you know, you know everybody's looking for tax revenue. So they somehow think that the state's being screwed out of something or they're trying to fund something some way that because they cut and move the money around someplace else. But shore then, diving, snorkeling, I mean, how can that be different than shore diving, teaching a scuba class? It's probably not. And this, I mean, who's to say the dive just operators? Reading their, reading their website, there is scuba, snuba, snorkeling all fall together and you have to have a operator. So if you're chartering, whether it's a shore-based dive or a boat dive, you must have these permits. But they're very vague about what permits you need to do what. Interesting. Yeah, I'm sure that we have not heard the last of this. Now, now, how, now, now, speaking of bad experiences, how, how about this? Could you imagine? And uh, you know, and, and Dave, you can jump right in and tell us if if, if you. I'm hoping that you wouldn't do this. So, here's this uh, this lady, uh, Joe Dempster, 46, from uh, the West Midlands in the UK. She weighed 16 stone, 13 pounds. It was a holiday with her family in Cyprus, and the dive instructor said something like, you could fit a beached whale in that wetsuit. Now, I'm not thinking that's a really great dive shop sales technique. 
Actually, if uh, Patty heard about that, and they were a Patty instructor that goes into the quality management process. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure what 16 stone is, but but by looking at the pictures, it's a lot. Yeah. And it did her some good. Come on. It did. Yeah, it did. That was the straw that broke the calories back. Yeah. And it, most it, people say that scuba is not going to help you lose weight. And evidently, it can. Yeah, she she was size 26, which I have no idea what sizes are, other than I had a uh, sister-in-law who was a size zero. If, if you go down to the other pictures, you can see the orca. I mean the lady. <laughs> the orca. I was going to say, obviously, size 26 is a beached whale, according to the way it was described. Yeah, I mean, she she is hefty, but or uh, is, was, but, I mean... You know, there's there's all different body types, and I am not one to say anything. I'm I'm looking rather orca-ish myself. We can say I've got layers of brown fat, so I should be all set for ice diving. But uh, the good that came out of it is she did lose, they call six stone, almost half her weight. Now is that where Rolling Stones got their name, or something somewhere related to that? Uh, but yeah, she—I mean, she looks really good now. Lost a lost a lot of weight. So, uh. but the side note that doesn't get presented in this article is what happened to the instructor? Yeah, I don't know. They—they they did. There any lapse of political correctness? So give them a break. What are you going to crucify them? Yeah, yeah, we 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 do that with everybody. Uh, I, I I have a lot of sympathy for him. I've been in positions where I've been wanting to say something like that, and I just I held my tongue. And then sometimes it just you know it, it, it's the event, it's the day. Uh, maybe you're not expecting it, or maybe you had a friend who set you up somehow and said something and said, "Oh yeah, you know such and such," and then you go and you see this person, you're like, "Okay, now I get what he was getting at." Or he was just frustrated and just let it go. <laughs> and again, spur of the moment, whoops, get off his back. He made a mistake. He probably apologized, or he would have. But in the end, it wasn't a mistake. It actually benefited her significantly, so. She took it in a positive, well, she didn't take it in a positive manner. She realized that, well, maybe she does. The funny part is her mother took those pictures that are in the article. And sent it to her. Yeah. Oh, the, her her mother did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What do we got next? By the way, you were talking about the islands up there. That that law. Mm-hmm. You can find it. Uh, unofficial compilation Hawaii administrative rules. Title 13, Department of Land and Natural Resources, Subtitle 11, Ocean Recreational and Coastal Areas, Ocean Waters, Navigable Streams and Beaches, Ocean Recreation Management Rules and Areas, and it's freaking extensive. And it gives the areas that it's affected. You're talking parasailing, windsurfing, ultralight, experimental float-equipped aircraft, tow-in surfing, you know, like where you take the uh, surfers out with your yeah. you do. So, tow windsurfing, 
it's it's amazing what this is, and then it does have the where the fees are, and it tells certain beach open beach. Uh huh. I can't pronounce Hawaiian names, but yeah, there's three or four of them. Uh, they're even talking about Salt Pond Park is a restricted area. It's it's quite interesting to look at it. Now, is that just telling you all the activities that need to be licensed, or? Well, that was in one section that we're talking about. Uh, Subchapter 2 was North Shore, Kalua Ocean. Uh, chapter 3 was South Shore, Kalua. So looking at the subchapters, it talked about the places the supplies to and things you can't do there. Yeah, it may and, have been easier for them to say the places that it didn't apply. Like you could have just said, if you've got a, a body of water greater than a 16-ounce cup, we own that. What it probably is, though, is if you read deeper into that stuff, they say in some of the, in the FAQs that it's not applicable to scuba and snorkel, and I'm guessing all the rest of the vendors got upset, and now it's being made to be applicable to scuba and snorkel and snuba. Well, it also says swimming zone. So I don't know what a swimming zone is, and is that also licensed? A swimming zone would be if you've got a hotel and you've got an area marked out for swimming, I would think that would count. It, it if you're charging for it. I, I didn't look for, I did not find the permit itself. If there's transfer fees involved, it's interesting. Only in America. Actually, well, I think it's everywhere else. We're just, we're just getting, getting around. around. We're, we're getting around to adopting it. Yeah, I suppose. Value tax added. Yeah, the value. You know, since gas prices are so low, have you have you heard that one now? You know, since gas is so low, which isn't tax a percentage? Yes, my understanding. Well, take or, we have a flat rate in ours. Yeah. So, well, is it per gallon? Yeah. So, if I'm driving more, wouldn't they be getting more money from gas tax than they would have? when it was expensive and I could only drive half as much? No, the tax didn't change. It's a fixed amount. Right, but the, but oh, in Michigan, they're raising, they're raising the, the tax. And I think it's... Be- dollar is different than 10% of $2. But yeah, I think they're raising, the, they're raising the tax because they're saying now they need to have some money dedicated to roads coming out of the fuel taxes <laughs> Yeah. instead of politi- political action campaigns. But that's the other podcast. Yeah, it is. Okay, well, and then to kind of carry on with that, we have Dan Halloran is now becoming a scuba teacher after a career as a politician tanks. The former Queen City Councilman was convicted of corruption and out of a job, so he picked the next noble career, which is that of a dive instructor. Was he a lawyer also, by the way? He was a lawyer and and was disbarred. Okay, so he's a bottom tier. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's appropriate. Yeah, yeah. So now, so now he's going to be a scuba instructor. Yes. After being indicted in this case, Mr. Halloran has continued to improve his skill set by becoming first aid CPR instructor as well as a scuba instructor, so he may continue to follow a useful career after his loss of his law license. Well, he better be ready for that pay cut. Yeah. Well, he, he, <laughs> he, he, <laughs> yeah. There's there's certain areas I just can't even go to. Uh, they're they're trying to use it as a as a reason why he doesn't have to serve time. So is is, is being an instructor a punish a punishment? 
<laughs> he faces up Times. to five years behind bars, or six he years, uh, or six kid. months as an instructor. <laughs> so he's going to teach in prison, I suppose. Uh, well, he'll only be teaching people who are doing breaking and entering, though. That way, they have a new method to enter. Yeah, yeah, they can go underwater. They're saying he is a person who has dedicated his life to the community service and now must bear the stigma of being a convicted felon. So they're, 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 his, his attorney is using his new career as a, as a way of trying to reduce his sentencing. Yeah. New York, so who, who knows what's going to happen. It probably work. Yeah. And uh, a little further research, it looks like what he was doing is he was found accepting money to try and get somebody on the ballot. So there was an election running and he was trying to do some things. So, And then, and then he, they're even claiming he was doing a public service because he was adding more opportunity for people to choose on the ballot. So, yeah, that, he sounds like as a lawyer, he's got a good lawyer. <laughs> One would hope. And then we have divers recovering pieces of the London Bridge. And this one, amazingly enough, is not in London. It's the one I believe. It's in Arizona, Lake Havasaw. The the police department is uh, using their diving team in the cold waters to retrieve thousands of pounds of wreckage. There's a single vehicle accident that happened on a bridge and it damaged it, so they're trying to recover it. Uh, If my odd history or uh, is correct uh, that bridge was moved from from England to the US uh individually numbered bricks and reassembled so what happened is somebody damaged it they said the off the officers were diving in water that was 48 degrees near the surface about 10 degrees colder below lifting heavy granite pieces of the bridge they used lift bags to help bring up the wreckage you know a lift bag is just a bag that you attach on to something fill with air and it will cause it to rise. This is not the first time the bridge has suffered damage like this. That a car had hit the damage of the baluster in the 80s and the 90s. There's a fatal accident in which the, a truck went through the baluster into the water. I'm curious, how deep is it out there? Well, they're standing. I, I was looking at the picture, so I was curious about that. I want to say it's a, it's in a man-made lake. I think that lake is like a resort lake. It's mostly like for skiing. Because there's a rich person who he paid for the whole bridge. Yeah. What, what does divers in full scuba gear, what, what does that mean? Why wouldn't you just say divers were on a mission? I'm just curious. I, they get paid by the word. At least it didn't say oxygen. Search engine optimization. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, this is the cost is going to be seventy-five thousand to a hundred thousand. Take three months. I'm assuming if they use lift bags, it has to be deeper than four feet. No. <laughs> probably so. The probably the picture is showing where their entry point was. Yeah. Well, it's not everything you can dive and say you helped build London Bridge again. Yeah. That'd be cool. That is true. Wasn't there a song, London Bridge is Falling Down? Yeah. I do like the fact that they're calling it, they were diving in icy cold waters. Yeah, icy cold. <laughs> is, is there such a thing in Arizona? Well, it was 48. I mean, it's... Yeah. 
as a side note, I was listening to a report today on the uh, got like nine foot waves in Lake Superior today. Uh-huh. The surface temperature is 30 degrees, meaning water surface temperature is 30 degrees. So it's the motion of the water is the only thing keeping it from freezing. Absolutely. So if they get a clear night, then it's going to like crystallize instantly. Well, if, it, if they get a clear night and no longer have nine foot waves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're already doing ice breaking. Yeah. Well, then I wonder if that new scuba instructor is the one who was helping Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Cruise had apparently taken a break from filming movies to learn how to scuba dive. Uh, he joined. Uh, he's, he joined a surprise class, who was taking the underwater course, and this is somewhere in the UK, with the Belfast Telegraph reported. Ireland. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. You know, with an actor doing as many movies as he'd done, I'm surprised he wasn't already certified. I was wondering about that. I'm trying to think back of the movies. And I don't remember seeing him anything that was water-related. Well, I mean, Mission Impossible, I, I, he wasn't in the uh, was the Italian job that had some water. Plus, they use doubles all the time. And, but frequently, you want to get certified just for certain scenes. Just so you, they, well, that had been handy before they filmed Top Gun. Yeah. Well, he was a young guy at Top Gun. You can kind of understand that. I mean, you know, it was a low-budget film. <laughs> Yeah, well, but I heard there's a sequel to that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I, I've I've heard rumors of that too. Probably won't be right. too long. But yeah, Tom Cruise. So if Tom Cruise is learning to scuba dive, you can too. So that's you can tell the significant other if you're trying to get him. I mean, they they have a better chance of probably meeting him in the water than they do otherwise. And again, that's cool. I'm sorry, Mac, I couldn't hear you. I said that would still be pretty cool to say he went diving well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to be in the class, that'd be awesome. Get him to sign your logbook. <laughs> oh, would that be? Nobody'd believe you. And then the final article, as we're blazing through them today, we have first is challenge uh, to the wreck we talked about last week is the. And to refresh everybody's memory, some Keegan divers said they accidentally stumbled. How do you accidentally? I mean, is that when you find a shipwreck and it's not the one you're looking for, is that an accident? No, that's good fortune. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because you're looking for shipwreck. So if you're looking for a shipwreck and you find a shipwreck, now it might not, it wasn't the particular one you were looking for, but yeah, you did find it. And uh, they're they're thinking based on the photos that they've shown, and the, they had a nail that mysteriously got attached to a magnet that sank in Lake Michigan in 1697 is the, is the Griffin. Now the state of Michigan is uh, interested, and they're looking into the wreck. Uh, let's see, who do they? There's a couple good quotes in here. While you're looking for the quotes, I will say that one video mm-hmm. looked quite impressive. That and the side shot of the of the boat looks like what we understand the original boat to look like. So yes. I've just got something to hang their head on, especially the zip line cannon and yeah. the swords. Yeah, this is not a stick in the sand <laughs> that somebody says, "Oh yeah, this is wood from the Griffin." I mean, that actual. 
this is a great hoax if it's if it's not real because this looks I mean, this is something you know I'm expecting there, we'll see a lot more next spring and summer oh yeah yeah there's uh, and the reason why they didn't announce is they didn't want to give up the location while they were still looking for the other wreck which I don't I still don't think they found uh, and it sounds like based on the conversations they've been talking with Michigan for a little while now your comment, though, didn't want to give it up. They don't have to give it up. No, they don't have to. Michigan can't com- force you to comply. Right. But if you do want to register that, they require you to give them the exact location. Yeah. Well, if you if you go, and and you and I and several other divers have all looked through all those laws and rules, If the, they actually tell you don't tell them. Yes. They, they say, if you value the condition of the wreck, don't tell anybody, including them, because once you tell somebody, they know where it's at, and people are going to dive on it and steal it blind. It's public record. Yep. They cannot say you can't have access to that. Yeah. But the thing is, is if it is sitting as deep as it kind of looks, the people that are going to be diving on it really aren't going to be robbing it blind. No. It, I'm From the photos, when I saw them based on the light, my guess is that's deeper than 200 feet. It just looked, and I'm just going based on videos I've seen of other wrecks of that depth. I'm thinking like the, the Hennepin, you know, which I think is about 225. Uh, it looked like similar lighting. I mean, it could be, you know, it just depends on the time of day and the conditions when they took it, but it, it's probably going to be deep. They said one of the things that we would be interested to us as a starting point is to know the location and be able to say, yes, we have no record of anything there. So to our knowledge, it has not been seen or recorded by someone else. This is from Anderson from his office, and that's Dean Anderson, who's the state of Michigan archaeologist. He says, I think ultimately if we're going to be able to make a serious evaluation of it, it's probably going to take a maritime archaeologist to dive in the site and look at it. I think we'll probably have that conversation, and we really want to do a serious evaluation. Which they say that, but the state doesn't have any money to do that, do they? No. They, their department, they, they can't even, uh, and it's no offense to the people working there. You know, their, their staff is about half of what it was five years ago. So they, they don't have time to go and do an archaeological study. No, we as a, as a country we do a poor job of supporting our archaeological heritage, especially the underwater archaeology. But there's so much of it, and how do you determine? Again, I want to see a cost-benefit analysis on what they do spend if the state is paying for something. The state? Well, I don't think the state should be paying for something. I think they should be empowering us to go and be those resources. Well, true, but I'd, I'd still like to see a cost-benefit analysis to see how much it really costs to do what they think they're doing that is of value. And as a side note to this, to give a little plug to uh, Chris Cole, this wreck is actually in his newly published book on the Griffins, where he talks about all of the purported discoveries and whatnot throughout time. This wreck is actually in the last chapter. Yeah. And that book came out uh, what after Thanksgiving last year? Yeah. So he had he had it in the book. So if you had read the book, you'd have known about it. 
and what was funny is I had the book and I hadn't gotten that far when this hit the press. <laughs> That'd have been so, like, holy crap. I should have read faster. Yeah. Well, that does nope, it. GoPro. GoPro. What did I got? Did I miss it? GoPro. Utah Lake. Okay. So it happens again. You know, these, these memory sticks just seem to have a, a long life. And here we are. This is out of the Boston.com. GoPro found six months at the bottom of a Utah lake. So it said after going on a cross-country trip, the GoPro wound up in the bottom of Utah lake where it sat idle for six months. This week is reunited with its owner, Dan uh, Berkowski, 23, from California, took a cross-country trip from Massachusetts to California. His three buddies in July, of course, brought his GoPro. Group of friends may have stopped in Niagara Falls, Chicago, Mount Rushmore, Las Vegas, the Grand Canyon, more, but the stop at Lake Powell in Utah proved unfortunate for the GoPro. In the moment of just between his friends and a kayak, it went overboard and fell to the bottom of the lake. He says, I was really bummed out because, like I say, pictures from, like, I think Chicago or something, after that, everything else is lost. Wow. I think that's a literal quote there. Uh, so the, the scuba divers, Mark and Alyssa Ollinger from Colorado, a couple was diving in Lake Powell on New Year's Day where they found the GoPro 40 feet below the surface of the lake. So the couple sometimes find hidden treasures when they dive in the form of golf balls, broken fish poles. But they're amazed this time to see a muscle-encrusted camera. Just a few hundred pictures and videos of the four kids. I thought, we've got to find this guy. Oliver turned and where else to her computer. She typed 2014 cross-country road trip in the search box on YouTube. These include some of the video and photos in the GoPro. She discovered he was the owner. I recognized his face immediately. Wow, that's that's actually pretty good that she was able to do that. On every disc I have for cameras and otherwise, I took a screenshot of my computer with my name, address, and phone number. Yeah, and I, I never get to you know that's always on every chip I have. Yeah, and and that kind of brings me up to what is the best? I mean, that's a great way of doing it, taking the taking that and having it on there. But for dive gear, what is the best way to permanently mark it? Is it depends like a on, paint? depends on the gear. Okay, so I've got fins. Is that a paint pen? A paint pen, as long as you touch it up periodically, because the paint will get rubbed off, and with the flexing. Uh huh. Um, I've tried Sharpie. Sharpie gets rubbed off. Well, I guess it kind of depends on the diving you're doing. I, I beat my fins up pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. So for us in Michigan, who will be doing grubbing? Uh, it's going to get a little bit more uh, abusive treatment than other types of diving. Just touch it up every once in a while. Paint pens, uh, the fabric paints work good for uh, dry suits, wetsuits. Mm-hmm. But if if you lose dry suits... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> it, that's like if found, uh, <laughs> return with body. <laughs> but a lot of my stuff, I just use an engraver. If it's metal, oh yeah, you know, yeah, that's, rags, that's a good, that's a good uh, bolt snaps, um, lights, stuff like that. I know people that engrave their phone number. Um, just do not engrave your social security number. 
And if you find something, Drummel wheels do really good for getting rid of those. Yeah, he is good. You can grind them off. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a little bit of experience there. Did you notice they also found golf balls while finding this camera? Well, you you can't. It's can not a real dive. Can you believe that golf balls? Huh. In 40 foot of water. Yeah. The best part about this article, though, is that she went through the effort to find the guy and actually found him, matched him up with his camera, and got it back to him. What is that, three degrees of separation? Is that what that is, or six degrees or something? Yeah. It was even closer than that, like one. You go find him, call him up, <laughs> here's your camera. Yeah, that's freaking amazing, though. Yeah. Same she a lot of free time. I still, but the guy with the ring, though, from what, last month or the... Oh, yeah. Couple, that's freaking amazing. Man. Yeah, that, that might have been uh, more than one or two degrees. But, yeah, they that that one, yeah, it's enough but motivation. Social media, social media and enough people sharing it, it, uh, it works. Yeah, and they're young people. Yeah. And we have the Consumer Electronics Show going on this week in Las Vegas. And I've been following some of the things going on there in these drones. Oh, my gosh. They make me want to get one. That might be on my uh, list of things to buy this year. I just want a friend that has one. <laughs> well, I don't have any friends who've got a drone yet. But some of these are are absolutely amazing. They had one that I saw where it will follow you. You can put a bracelet on and say you're running an ATV, it will hover and you can pre-program how, you know, what kind of shot you want to get, and it will follow you the whole entire way. Until Mac hits it with his Cessna. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've still got that dive job to recover that one drone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, now. Yeah. It's, it's probably just grabbing it for the uh, the parts. And then there was another one they were doing, and it was it was drone fighting. They would have the drones fight in this like tent with a net around it, and it was unbelievable uh, how how they how it was going. And if your drone crashed, they would stop it, and you had 90 seconds to repair the drone to get it back in the air to continue fighting. And they had people in that 90 seconds replace all four engines props and electronics in less than 90 seconds. We were looking at uh, another one. This was two years ago uh, for shotgunners. You know how they like to use clay pigeons? Uh-huh. They shoot at an armored drone. And the reason that it's harder is because there's a guy trying to make you miss. Yes. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of times if you watch guys who do skeet or trap, they get into a, a, a routine or a, a flow. Oh, yeah. And you know they you know they they can see it they anticipate where it's going to be and they fire, but you can't lead a target if it's all of a sudden going to change direction. So yeah, you could I could see that being tougher. I'd have to disagree. I spent enough enough years in the air defense world that uh, you can still hit them. You just have to have the right uh, the right projectile. The right right projectile and, and enough of them. Yeah, enough I, of them also helps. Yeah. Yeah, most of the uh, anti-aircraft stuff I ever used though was a hundred kilo explosive warhead. So anything near, I'm taking out. <laughs> so you did now when those explosive warheads? Can you dial them in 
at what distance they they blow up or you can do a proximity i'm not sure what which type that uh dave has worked on but generally it can be a proximity fuse all i'll say is that there's just a lot of different capabilities that are just pretty awesome yeah well i, I know some of the navy some of them on the on the the vessels they have for taking out missiles the idea is just to throw enough lead in the air that anything moving in that general direction is going to run into something. Well, you can cheat and put a Davy Crockett in your nose, and that'll take care of it. That's, that's really what's go. called a, a near miss. You know what a Davy Crockett is, there? I have no idea. I'm it's afraid. A, it's, a, it's a low-yield nuclear weapon <laughs> that you can launch out of a, a cannon. But you can also <laughs> put those in some uh, anti-aircraft birds. And even if you didn't have any faults enough that will really screw up the electronics. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a little overkill, I'm thinking. Well, it depends on what, what you're shooting at. Yeah. And that's an incoming bomber with, with milk. Well, that's not overkill. No, not in that case, but I'm, I'm, I'm taking a little drone. And, and I'm, I'm not talking like the military-grade drones. I'm talking the little uh, hexacopters or quadcopters. Yeah. But they're, but they're getting really tempting. Some of them will have where you can mount a GoPro. Some of them have their own cameras in. And I was looking at video earlier today shot from them, and it, it was cinema quality that was coming out. You've got that new GoPro 4. It's about oh. 500 bucks, but the, uh, you're, you're talking 1080p+. Plus. And now you've got some that are 4K. Yeah. And they are freaking awesome. They got some anti shake. Uh, we were flying the other day with the Cub. Got some mounted on the wing. No vibration. You could not tell the vibration from that. Yeah. I've, I've, it's, uh, we're we're going to do a, a video podcast here real soon. And I'm, I'm tempted to standardize on GoPros and derivatives. That, I want something where the look would be the same. But GoPro is of the quality now where it can certainly handle it. Yeah. Well, that does it for Scuba in the News. Um, let's talk about any diving recently. Uh, Jim Schultz is down in Florida. He he indicated he may call in, but I'm, I imagine he's, he's recovering from all the nice weather he's having. If you see a big picture of the state of, of the United States, and blue is anything that was freezing. I think the only spot in the continental U.S. that wasn't uh, freezing or blue was Florida. The southern part. The yeah. northern part, they've got an ice warning for their crops. Oh, man. Yeah, I, th- I think he, he was outside that frozen zone, though. Uh, now, Mac, did you get any diving in? Uh, I can't remember when we dove left. So did we talk about recovering the float? From the New Year's dive? That was the day after. No, I think you were going to. You were talking about you were going to go and and recover. Yeah, we got that. And uh, Now, you did that with a kayak? Yes, yeah. We went with a kayak on that because it was uh, a little far offshore from where I started. But by the time I walked around the shore, it was caught in the ice. I could have taken uh, just the bottom of the wetsuit and probably got, my, got it back in without getting too, too much. You know, too much drowned or too wet. Now, how about you, Dave? What kind of diving have you been doing? Um, 
I've been diving into the Sudafed. Um, oh no! Got uh, got some dives in on New Year's Day. It was uh, comfortable. It was uh, actually at 88 degrees. Got about 45 minutes and uh, realized that I still haven't fixed the leak levels. Oh. But uh, visibility was incredible. Uh, I think Rich shot a good video that he put out on Facebook. And uh, shortly after that, uh, my head cold kicked up. Other than teaching in the pool, I have not gotten in the water. Well, I do know we have not been back to the river, and the river I'm talking about is in Niles, Michigan. It's called the St. Joe River, for those who might be interested. And uh, that was actually a slush this week. We actually had ice flows and frozen particulate on the surface of the water. Yeah, I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing some ice and pictures. People are sending me from the St. Clair River right now also. Ice just along the banks, which is enough to keep us from getting in because you can get in, but it's awfully hard to climb up onto that ice shelf to get out. Yeah, I, I saw a photo of the St. Joe Pier today, and that was that uh, had ice all on the pier, but the angle didn't show the water. Mac, do you know if it, it's like Michigan's starting to freeze up yet? Just the shoreline part, you know, the shallows. Uh-huh. The ladders have got ice on them, so you're not going to do any pure dives because you can't get back out. Uh-huh. Now, do you think we are ready to dive in uh, the inland lakes now? We can get some ice dives in? I don't think we have enough yet. I think we're going to try it for one at the end of this month. Okay. And that will probably be at Lake 16, out towards Kalamazoo, Michigan. So, uh, so you don't think Singer Lake's ready for us? I, I haven't checked Singer. It wouldn't surprise me. I, it can't be real thick. You're talking about a shore dive, but uh, you know, we we want a good six or eight inches. I think before we get out there with the crowd. How how quick does it? I mean, because we've had three days now of below zero overnight, and the high during the day is in the teens. So that should be building ice the whole time. I would think so. And it's been windy. We don't have a lot of snow cover yet, which seems to cool stuff off even quicker. Uh, I, I would say snow depth in my yard is about 12 inches. And we started where you could see grass on Sunday. I'm hoping we're going to have good clear ice. That means it'll be thick. We won't have that uh, that foam layer, that oh, yeah. middle. I have not done an ice dive where we've had clear ice. It's always had that four inches of white, hazy stuff at the top. The slush. Yeah. I can remember as a kid when we had a spot in our backyard that would flood. And the first year we lived there, it froze and it was beautiful ice. You could shovel it. It was like a, a Zamboni had gone and smoothed it out. And then the next four years we were there, it was rough and couldn't do anything with it. So you just get that that, that weather where it's perfect. Looking forward to that. Well, I'm guessing we're going to have enough ice before too long. I've already heard people planning oh, within yeah. the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we, we, we need to get out. We've I, I want to say a few years back we did Singer Lake in the middle of January. Yeah. Yeah. 
So last last year we were still doing ice diving up until April. I hope it isn't that way this year. No, we don't want to be doing ice diving that long, but we at least want to get an ice dive. We had everybody got hit with illness and flu and other things, and I don't think we had a healthy contingent, and it would have been a good year for it for us. Well, you know how it is, you know, with this uh, climate change that we're having, we can expect to have a lot more ice, I would think. Yes, I'm experiencing that global warming right now. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and uh, let everybody know how they can, you know, follow us in the program. You can go to facebook.com forward slash Obsessed. Get to our Facebook page. We always like likes there. Uh, you can listen to us on WRVO Radio. Uh, Friday seems to be the day where they put us in a loop and, and repeat. Uh, you also can listen to us on Stitcher Smart Radio forward slash, uh, well, I think it's Stitcher Smart Radio and if you haven't downloaded the app, you put in the code name SCUBA, and that will get you right to the show. Uh, Tune in radio, uh, WRVO radio is also on that, so you can listen to us there. Uh, a lot of people, I think, listen to us on iTunes. Dave, how do you normally listen? Hopefully you're not going to say show notes because I'm bad at that. Well, I, I get the pre-show notes, but uh, typically I'll just download it if, if I can't get to the chat room or I'm not in a vehicle or I'm teaching and I can't call in, chat room is my preference, then call in. Then I'll just download it straight from TalkShoe. Okay, yeah, you can get to it from TalkShoe. We're show 73759. And uh, we record on Thursdays. This this week we're, we started rather late, about an hour and a half late. But normally sometimes within 10 to 15 minutes of 9 p.m., We'll get the recording. If you could, We open up the chat room about 15 minutes before 9, and that's where we start going over show notes and doing some uh, preliminary show prep. So you get to listen to that. Uh, we do edit the show, so it does get edited a little bit from what you hear. So uh, we don't. He- I don't edit heavily, which tends to be a running joke. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk about some of the reviews. We love those five-star reviews, TalkShoe takes reviews. There's some podcast review sites out there, and there's also iTunes. So we've got three three reviews since we went to it last time. The first one is Great Show, five stars from uh, Sort Saul, December 16, 2014. They said, I wrote a review back in May 2011, almost four years ago. A lot has changed in my life over that time. I moved from Hawaii to Alabama and spent six months in Cuba. One thing that is not Hated, though. I still love listening to Darren and his co-host on Scoob Obsessed. The show remains funny and informative and easy way to remain stoked about diving, even though I can no longer dive at a moment's notice. Though this, through the show and Rich's Diver Sync podcast, I'm able to stay current on dive events and news events, which keeps me, keeps me too busy to dive. I wish there's more out there like this, and someday I hope to dive with all of you guys. First, I need a dry suit. Hawaiian Cuba spoiled too rotten. Anyway... Keep up the good work and the bad scuba jokes. No matter what, please don't give up the show. We are out here listening. Thanks, Lacey. So we certainly appreciate it, Lacey. And that's why we do the show. We do it because people like you like listening to it. And if we weren't doing the show, we would just probably hang around with each other and, and drink and talk about diving anyway. Now, we do occasionally get some critical reviews, which are fine. If you've got a comment, uh, I mean, I prefer that you send it to us at the show at Scoob Obsessed, but 
you know, any way we can get the information we are. And this one is, uh, uh, we'll just, we, if you want to see his review, you can go to iTunes and read it. I'm not going to throw his name out there, but we'll go by the initials RT. And this one was from December 24th, 2014. I found this podcast and was initially really excited. However, after listening to my first episode, 224, I was disappointed. Perhaps the episode was more exciting for longtime listeners, but hosts don't make an effort to explain things to new listeners may not get initially. I was basically a recap of some scuba news, though not really about scuba and the summary of the host's weekend dives. However, I don't think I ever picked up where in the country they were except for some river. Additionally, climate change came up, and one of the hosts is completely ignorant about the issue, especially troubling for a diver who has an opportunity to actually see how climate change has direct impact on the marine and aquatic environments. Okay. <laughs> Well, there are some. Let me, let, me, let me put a little note in here. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's normally talking about me because I am very, <laughs> yeah, I have opinions on that. So I, I am biased. I am opinionated. And there is absolutely no doubt whatsoever that the environment we currently have, the heating of the seas, is definitely affecting marine life and the marine environment. Absolutely Sure. Uh, environmental aspects from pollution based on how we farm, how we over-harvest the seas, is that a problem? Absolutely. Is there an issue with CO2 buildup? To some degree. Uh, depending on the experts, not oh, everybody's ignorant. So if you do look up opinions, you'll find some people disagree with some of the theories. Uh, ozone, possibly. But as I said then, I believe the major issue, because we've had this before, you've had an ice age, uh, ice-related age 500 years ago. We have been through this numerous times in the cycle of the, of the world when humans weren't here. So my issue is it's the population that is creating the issue. We are not, depending on what you look at, they say the optimum population for self-sustaining of the earth is 600 million to 2 billion. That's one estimate that I have read. You've got seven, almost eight billion people. Is it us? Sure, we're doing something, but doesn't compare with when a volcano goes off or it changes the acidity of the lakes or rivers based on some other issue. Um, I'm sure that we're, we're not helping things a lot, but by the same token, we are not the only culprits if the world is changing. Take a look at the levels of the seas 100 years ago, 200 years ago. It's not the people. It's the population that's creating a lot of the issues. So, anyway, that's my point. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm going to guess that it probably wasn't you. It was probably me. Because I yeah, think you... It was me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not a fan of the politicalization that has become the term climate change, uh, you know, because you've got environment and you've got climate and climate always changes. So it, it seems to be more of a marketing term to get political action, to be able to pass laws that aren't going to solve anything. Uh, climate change, the, you know, we've had ice ages. We're in a natural period of the planet warming up. So, is the climate changing? Certainly, it's getting warmer, and 
Can we contribute to it? Certainly we can make it a little warmer or a little cooler, but not to a significant extent. And not that any activity we're going to do in the short term or midterm, or and when I say long term, next 50, 60 years, is going to have a significant impact, nor can we prevent the ultimate warmest temperature that's going to happen in the next, you know, however long it takes before the cycle goes back. And we will have an ice age eventually again that we will not be able to prevent. So these things are going to happen. So climate change, in my opinion, the way it's being done, is really not climate change. It's the the models that are out there trying to dupe you into taking activities and behavior uh, to pass laws that line people's pockets and make them money. Uh, they they can't they need you to do an activity they can predict so that they can profit from it. And that's really what I look at this modern climate change that comes around to it. Yeah, now, we're looking at 10,000 years versus 200, what is it, 650 million years a yeah. year? So 10,000 versus millions. Yeah. Don't tell me climate change is something we can prevent. Ain't going to happen. Yeah, and, and, you know, putting a disappointing review on a podcast isn't doing anything. If you feel that strongly about it, take some action. I am not for... Pollution, and when I when I say pollution, it, it's it's a matter of, of context. You know, when are you polluting? If you poop in a river, you're polluting, but that is a natural item. It can eventually break down and it goes away. You know, right now we are calling carbon dioxide a pollutant, but it's it's already present in the atmosphere. You know, you drink it in your soda, that's carbon. Uh, yeah, I I think it's it's been greatly overhyped. I think we have a lot more local pollution that we need to be dealing with. Uh, you know, deep well injection of pollutants into our aquifer to me is a much bigger issue than climate change is ever going to be. And then even even if I believed in the climate change is how the model is now, which is, has got faulty science that's been in, involved. I mean, when you manipulate numbers, and you're doing, when I look at uh, climate modeling, we can't predict the weather. We can't predict these complex models from somebody who, who does that as, as a career of uh, trying to predict uh, numbers and theories. But the, the climate modeling is nowhere near, has enough knowledge to be able to predict it. Uh, and, you know, on and, and a scale of 1 to 10, we're at a one half of 1. You know, it's going to be hundreds of years. We'll get better. We'll get a better vision but we're nowhere near that now. But we don't. Conti- we shouldn't continue to pollute based on that. But what it comes down to, Darren, is the comments that I would make to somebody that would review after listening to one episode and that kind of comment is refer to the second article tonight and things you shouldn't say sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and but I mean, I'm, there's some of the stuff I'm gonna I'm gonna take this to heart. I think what we're going to do, and it, we'll do it sometime in the next. I hope to do it within the next six to eight weeks, but it may be longer. Is we need to have a here's a scuba obsessed 101 episode, and at the beginning of each show, I'll say if you're new to the show, please listen to this episode. It also be something that you could recommend to your friends, share with your friends to get them into it, because there is some some stuff that it might be hard to pick up. Now, 
99% of the time, I will say we're from southwest Michigan. 224 may have been one where we didn't, for whatever reason. But yeah, to, to make a judgment on, you know, we have 220 some episodes, and to say, you know, all this on one, you know, yeah, we can make some explanation. Uh, uh, you know, some of the stuff that we do intentionally is what he didn't like about, it, which is fine. It's not easy, then, you know, that's okay. There's plenty of other podcasts out there. But uh, when we originally created uh, created the podcast, it was if you know I want something that was predictable. I wanted a podcast that's week uh, weekly. And when you look at that's week, when you look at podcasts that are audio, they're primarily for people who are in a car to drive. I don't picture somebody at home going, "Oh my gosh, I haven't heard the podcast." Uh, well, I've heard a lot of people listen to it. And we'd love to hear, you know, send us uh, stuff at, at the show at Scuba Obsessed. Let us know how you listen to the program. But I, I've gotten some email from people who say it's when they're going on the dive trip. You know, they're going to they're gonna be in the car for 12 hours. They'll load up a bunch of podcasts and they'll listen. So really what this program is to do is to, is to give you some information. That, you know, before we did it, I didn't realize that throughout the country there's 20 or 30 articles every week that have some sort of diving element to it. And then we have some things that just interest will bring in, but usually most of them are diving related. So we have that. We have, uh, I, I think that you grow to want to listen to the personalities. You want to feel like family. And we were trying to duplicate that post-dive uh, experience where you go into the local establishment, you, you, you get a, a warm beverage if it's this time of year, and uh, you, you chat about the dive, a post-dive briefing. And I just remember that those early dives, listening to all the other divers talk, I was like, you know, I could do this all the time. So that's what we're trying to do. And we think that over time, you know, the, you know listening to Dave, listening to Rich, uh, Matt, Jim, Jim, you know, other people we've had in the program, I, I did intend to do more with guests. But honestly, guests are a pain in the butt. I like the guests we've had on. I appreciate them. But it's a lot of work to go and get guests. If, if, if you're interested in helping with the podcast, we've got plenty of uh, unpaid intern opportunities, and one could be guests. If you want more guests in the show, we can certainly put you on that. You know, I'd, I'd love to do some more, but uh, guests tend to not want to show up uh, on the podcast. Uh, you know, they're, they're, there's a reason why they're coming on. You know, some of them may like us, but frequently somebody's selling something. Uh, let's see what else was in there. So uh, we'll, we'll do some, we'll we'll do an improvement to make sure that we we kind of cover where we're diving. Uh, so you need, anything more we need to say about that? I will probably continue to be biased and opinionated, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that's that's what it is. You it's it's kind of nature, and I I can't. I don't know, and, and you do associate with people like yourself, but, you know, the, what I would call the, I don't know, it's like anything I'm going to say, I'm going to alienate audience who probably enjoy the show and then when they find out that I don't like whatever that they do like. Uh, I, I think the way to sum it up is uh, kind of how I, I, I like to think I'm raising my kids, which is I'm not telling them what they should think. I'm trying to to 
train them so that they can think. They can come up with their own ideas, their own impression. They need to be challenging what people tell them. Don't believe something because it's written down. When you look at people who write and produce media and podcasts, you know, a lot of these people are young because they don't, there's no money in it. There's, the, right now, the media is going through a, a big change, and a lot of your authors are really young people who don't have careers yet. So I, I yeah. Yeah. investigate. And then uh, and another part Like you are saying there for a second, if, when we say opinionated, I don't mean that in a negative aspect. Yeah. I, I do river diving a lot. And I do other kind of diving a lot, and that's my forte. But I can get with Dave. He does river diving too. Many items we do similar, but he has his preferred way to do something sometimes. I have mine. doesn't make him wrong. It's what works for you. Right. And, and, you, and you, you cut people slack from that because that's the way they do it. It's not necessarily, I mean, if it's blatantly unsafe, I will have comments. But it's not. It's just a different way of doing the same thing. And the thing is, it's how we learn and we improve ourselves is by talking to people and listening to different ways to do things and different thoughts, and not just diving, but across the board of life. There's, I've, I've learned a lot by talking to Mac about river diving. Things he's brought up, like, wow, I wish I'd have thought of that. I mean, just different concepts. I mean, you just have to have thick skin in life and, and an open mind. and Yeah. Take information in, process it, make a decision, and move on. So even though you didn't like the podcast, I still wouldn't mind doing a dive. <laughs> well, well the, the key item, though, is it's still good to have the comments because it makes us more aware of a few items we need, we need to clarify and then make sure that when we are talking, we're, you know, people know that we are not preaching, we're not instructors in this particular case, and it's an opinion. And everybody, I think, is entitled to a position, no matter how wrong the other guy is. Yeah, and one thing I did hope to do that we haven't done enough is I want to do more travel. I thought by this point of the podcast we'd be traveling, you know, Europe, Red Sea, all over. It hasn't happened. Somebody with a big bucket well, of you're money. Well, <laughs> you're coming to this side of the state to do the uh, Shipwreck Festival in March, right? Uh, we're going to have to. That's travel. Yeah, yeah. Well, if if you uh, if if you look, I mean, the great thing about it is the is the people we've met through the podcast. I tell my wife, you know, <laughs> I can go anywhere in the world, and and there's going to be a listener who's going to be able to point me to a location where we can do a dive. So met a lot of great people, and we'll continue to do more shows as long as uh, you're listening. And then we have another review which it says still the best, and this is from December 30th, 2014, Mark P. Five years, getting better all the time. And, and thank you, Mark. Uh, I, th- I think that might be his, his second review, but we'll, we'll take it. It looks good. Uh, if you haven't uh, given us a five-star review, please do so. If you have any comments, again, it's the show at scoobobsessed.com. And I think that does it for the review part. Is it that time? I think it is getting that time. I thought we were going to make oh. this quick, and uh, we're, we're going to, I think we're going to make the, the hour point. Uh, let's see here if I can find my show notes. Now, this is another one. Uh, Rod, down where it's warmer this time of year, has been sending us jokes, and he said this is the first one in 2015. 
And there were names. Uh, I'm not sure if this was the the way the joke was originally, uh, but there are names that have been added in, and I almost, gosh, they're, they're, it's kind of a racy thing. I'm thinking it can't be the names of the people that we know of these names, somebody else. So we've got deniability in here. But since I didn't put the names in, I mean, I, I have to assume that. So, are, are are you good with that, or should I change the names? Change the names and something you can pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that that's possible. <laughs> Dave, Ralph. So, so are you saying you don't want me to leave the incriminating Mac and Jim names in there? Uh-uh. He doesn't recognize it. Americanizing it. So let's see here. We'll call. Was it uh, Larry and Daryl? <laughs> and Mo. Give her your best shot. Oh, I think I'm going to mess this one up. So. I just roll with it with the names the way they were, they already sent it to you. Everybody's yeah. got thick skin, broad shoulders. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think I'm I'm just gonna mess it otherwise. So here we, here we go, and and remember it's, it's it must be different people. Mac and Jim decided to get away from Darren in the cold north for a while. Did a quick holiday checking out some wrecks in Key West. Mac Kevin flow down there, but taking the scene back from St. Petersburg Airport. They hire a car and start overheating near Arcadia. They pull up the farmhouse and ask if they could stay for the night. The lady house explained that she was recently widowed and uh, tongues would wag if it got out that the attractive widow like herself had seen had let two men stay in the house. Mac assured her, oh, we'll stay in the barn and be gone before daylight, ma'am. No one will know we've even been here. Reluctantly, she agrees. Nine months later, Jim is shocked to receive a letter from an attorney in Florida. It takes him a while to work out what's going on, but eventually remembers the attractive widow in the night at the farmhouse. He arranges an urgent meeting with Mac the next day, and once Max arrives, he says, Do you remember our trip to Florida and the widow we stayed with the night? Oh, I certainly do, says Mac, his face flushing. You didn't happen to sneak up the house in the middle of the night for a visit to the window. No window. Widow. Well, yes, I did, actually, replies Mac, embarrassed to have been found out. You didn't happen to give her my name instead of your own. Mac's face rap- rapidly turns beetroot in your Beetroot. What is turned And he replied, well, it was in the heat of passion. Yes, I did. I'm really sorry. Why did you ask? She died and left me everything. That's all. <laughs> Don't say that. Didn't say for you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I actually think we should, but I God for I I know you're in her place in so that sounds bad. Like that, yeah. So until next time, go out there and get wet. And stay safe.
You can hear me. <laughs> Who talk to you had about? Okay. Oh, crud. You're going to tell me nothing recorded and you got to do it all over again? No, no. <laughs> no, I just put stuff in the wrong folder. I'm, my computer is starting to get full, and I've been playing a, a game of chicken between it and the offline service I am using to back the stuff up. Well, I'm going to leave you, gentlemen. It's fun. And who knows, one day we may be able to get on on time, actually finish it and not have any issues with Skype. We, we've Facebook. done that about every every three months. Basically, we do get a good one. Okay. Yep. Well, Dave's good talking to you. I'm going to leave you guys. So when I sign off here, I may go dump you guys. So. Okay. Yep. Well, I'm going to get ready for bed anyway. Yeah. Uh, Trying to get this head cold going. Yeah. Uh, well, guys, good to talk to you, and hopefully we'll see you in the water again soon. Yep. 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 All right. Talk to you guys later. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Didn't drop. Uh, it sometimes takes a few minutes. A Microsoft minute. Yeah. And sometimes it never it doesn't drop. It's they've been that from that aspect it's doing better. So you don't have any plans for any changes to the program for the year? I do. And I was hoping to have them done by now, but I've just some yeah do other stuff. And I've work is going to go from moderate to insane. We've got a big go live that's going to happen again on Memorial Weekend, and then I've got my own major project that will go live within two weeks, either before or after that weekend. Nice. So your summer is going to be busy. Well. It was supposed to, they were originally talking August, but we, it needs to be earlier because the business will die for three months because this, this new piece of machinery goes in. Uh, the, the software we're using to manage the shop, another company bought the software right as we were implementing it. Did I lose you? No, no, I'm here. 
No, so, so as we were implementing the software, and they said, oh, well, we'll continue to support it for five years. Well, half the stuff that we were promised that was supposed to be fixed never got fixed and is never going to be fixed. Nice. So we're going to replace that software, which I think the first time you and Rich were trying to get me to go to, uh, what was that? What do you go on Memorial Weekend? Moorhead City. Moorhead City. That's what was going on. So yeah, you had, a, no, you had a big software project. Yeah, I remember so, that. So that was when that went got implemented and went live. Well, now we're we're tearing that out and putting the new version, from which is a big major piece of software that that the company you bought them had. So we're migrating onto that. Plus, there's other software where I led teams over the course of 15 years to write. We're replacing that with other package software by this company. So it's it's going to be this huge. And then the new the new press coming in, because it's completely different manufacturing process. It's not in the old system, so we're not going to put it in the old system. So you're bringing up a press that uses five ton rolls of paper, and it it eats them at about six an hour. And yeah. they're we're going to be running blind, not knowing what jobs are coming in or what rate. Paper. It's just going to be disaster. So that's going live April 28th. So we're going to try and have the new system up by the end of May. Uh, I just think, what, another 20 years you're going to retire and you'll have dive time? Yeah. Well, I, actually, I'm looking at it. I mean, who knows? I, the, the risk is, is that they're going to get, they're going to get this all done and they're going to go, okay, well, thanks for that. And get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the only reason yeah, I think you know, that they, they've, another, they've, they've kept another me. another upgrade. Yeah. Well, the only reason they've kept me around is just, well, the the fulfillment system, which is our, our shipping system, I've been the only one for the last five years who knows anything about it. So I think they kept me just because nobody else wanted to. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's going to be great for the shop. I mean, it's just, a, it's an amazing piece of equipment. It's, it's a piece of equipment we always wanted to buy and never could. And uh, apparently this right. other company couldn't either. <laughs> I mean, they put in a brand new building. I mean, this, this press was like, you know, the building was like a $20 million building. And then the press was about $15 million. And they ran it for about eight or nine years, and yeah, they went under. And uh, did I have? I didn't even. Oh, gosh, this is this is what's aggravating. You want to see what our our government's doing? So this is a company in Florida, and the the family that owns our company tried to save this company. It's a family-owned company. It's been in Florida for like sixty years. The company I work for has been a family-owned company for about 80 years. And uh, the old man died who had the company, and his son, who's an attorney, stepped back in and you know was trying to run it for a while. And so he, he really wanted us to buy it outright. And we were like, eh, I don't know if that's too good a deal. But as things got really bad, the owner of our company went to the banks and said, I will personally guarantee at 100% all the debt that this company has if you keep them and you keep them running wow. and the bank and the bank said no and here's the reason why these banks these big national banks bought the regional florida banks and in the process they were guaranteed that so so say 
say they bought this bank for $100 million, but the bank had $500 million in notes, the federal government guaranteed them 30 cents on the dollar or, or guaranteed they would make good at, a, at 80 cents on the dollar for anything that was uh, foreclosed on. So it's just easier for them to just take the money and run. Right. That's, a, that's the only reason they bought them in the first place, because the government gave the guarantee. So what they've been doing is going through these, these banks' books and finding anybody who's late and trying to force them to close so they can get the money while the deal's still on the table. Right. And so they basically they're putting out they're putting out of business 200 people in Florida who who work at this plant because the bank's going to make you know a couple million dollars on foreclosing. Yeah. So they probably paid 20 cents on the dollar. They're going to get 80 cents. You know, so it's probably like a two or three hundred percent profit on buying these banks. Yeah. yeah. And the money's coming not from from the federal government. The loaners. Yeah. From the government. Yeah. Yeah. So Crazy. when I when I I heard that I'm like you got to be kidding me. And there there were so many loans and mortgages on this equipment. There's still pieces of the press that we don't technically own yet. <laughs> nice. Nice. We'll eventually own it, and some of the banks don't even know how to clear it so that we can buy it. It's it's been bizarre. So we we've got about another two weeks. They're starting to tear the press down now, but uh, yeah, it's it's it's, it's project crazy. Project management nightmare. Yeah, no, it has been. Well, I mean, it's one of those things. Either we because we 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 own the press. The only part we don't own is the very end of this press. This this press, you know, 180 some feet can be operated with three people. Yeah. Right now, for you know, most of our presses that are that big, or half that big, take about eight to ten people. The end of this press has a palletizer, so everything that comes off, it squeezes, packages, palletizes, and shrink wraps. And the only thing that has to happen is a forklift to have to come and pull it off the end. So the part in the right place. Yeah. Well, we yeah, our operators got to do that. So what we've got to do, what the the part that we don't own yet is the palletizer. That's the last part that we're trying to get the banks to sign off on. So once that has been worked out, if it doesn't work out, we'll just have to buy a palletizer. So we got this stuff at enough of a deal where you know significantly uh, reduced price. Yeah, but I'm sure the banks want that palletizer to go. Otherwise, they're stuck with a palletizer. Oh, no, nobody. You know what will happen if we don't buy it is that it's just going to be thrown into a dumpster or a scrap heap. It won't. You know, the 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 bank doesn't want it. So it's not that anybody's saying no, we don't do it because we we what we agreed to was whatever it appraises at, we'll pay that, and that's all the banks want. Yeah, it's going to cost us. Like two to three million dollars just to move it. Yeah, seventeen semis, and you know every we're replacing about every every part of it. All brand new rollers and control systems are all being updated. And, oh yeah, but, but you're still gonna have a lot less money invested than. Oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It's we're we're gonna pay ten twenty percent of what it would have been new. 
and you're going to increase capacity, reduce manpower requirements, and you're also going to reduce maintenance downtime because it's everything's going to be overhauled and fresh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a dream. I mean, it guarantees that that plant will be there another 20 years. So it's a it's a good it's a good sign for the business. Yeah, we, we've. It's going to cost us two hundred thousand dollars just to wire the press. I mean, that's that's the AC power. We don't have enough power to to run it. Uh, oh, yeah. what's, sure. what's weird is that where you all our equipment is basically twenty thirty year old technology as far as mechanical. Mm-hmm. And how they used to do it is they'd have a big shaft that ran down all these presses, and there's usually you know ten printing units and dryers and folders. And so everything ran off this gear, and that's how everything was synchronized. These are all digital. Each unit has its own individual motor, and digital controls control the speed and the synchronization. Oh, that's the only way to go today. Yeah, and that's how that's how all the new stuff is, but we've got no experience with that. So, yeah, we're, we're trying to get our uh, maintenance people up to speed on it. But, yeah, going from going from good old mechanical stuff to uh, digital. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, we've back. I mean, we've added stuff at least from the control standpoint on on presses. But this is just this was a press that was digital from when it was built, so it's uh, completely new. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's a ridiculously fast piece of equipment. We, we figure about next year at this time we'll be up to 100%. It's just hard to believe that there's that much requirement for printing. Oh, my gosh. Well, there isn't, but the thing is is that we're one of the few companies, if not the only company in the printing industry that is solvent in the black. You know, family-owned. All our, Like in the yearbook business, all our competitors are all heavily leveraged and they're in most of them are publicly owned corporations. Mm-hmm. So they just like cannibalize and do crazy stuff where we can look long on it. And then in the commercial, we're the fastest growing printer for the last six years in the U S. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. All, all the big, all the big guys who we compete against we're, we do too small stuff that they used to not want to do. And they've cut that. They've, they've taken out complete plants. You know that might have twenty of these presses that we're putting in. They've just they they bulldozed them. They they had one where it was showing this piece of machinery. It had like this arm, like out something out of Terminator, and it was grabbing the presses and pulling them. And they used to salvage them, but they didn't want the presses back on the market. <laughs> yeah, they just, so they they, they wanted to destroy them. Yeah, they did, they just completely destroyed these these presses. It was at, at a show booth they were showing this, and it was a, they were just ripping out this whole plant. So, yeah. But, the, I mean, there's always going to be some capacity of print. Uh, at least lucky for us. Uh, we do a lot of catalogs now. Catalog business has gone up in the last six to nine months. Hmm. It's funny because a lot of our... Uh... A lot of the, a lot of our vendors are not providing print catalogs anymore. Yeah, I, I, we're seeing a lot of them who want to do that, but we've had some who two or three years ago left us and said, "Nope, we're not doing a catalog," 
and now we're coming back and doing catalog, but they're different types of catalogs. Because the problem is the catalog was a way of getting something in your hand. I mean, how many emails do you get a day? Yeah. So that that email is your only contact, and you sit our website log. That though, they might not do the thousand-page catalog, even though we've got probably ten or twenty of those in the shop right now. Thousand-page catalog. Wow. Uh, you know, if you go in the Home Depot and you go into the fastener section, there's a company called Simpson Strong Tie. Oh yeah, yeah. We we produce all their catalogs. Uh, you know, computer computer racking Panduit. Yeah. We do all their catalogs. Um, um, let's see, what's another one that we we do recently? I mean, it's just, yeah, we so quite a bit. Luckily, pays my my salary, so that's good. How's the dive shop doing? About like a dive shop should be, I guess. <laughs> kind of slow right now. You know, you get your post-holiday. Everybody's burned out from the holidays, and trips are already planned. I mean, we're we've got classes going on, but they're not huge. I mean, a lot of onesies, twosies. I got somebody who I've been chatting with online, and they're in Ann Arbor. I'm like, and they saw that I was a scuba diver, and they said. Hey, scuba diving, that's great. I will always want to do that. So I'd keep trying to get them into the shop. Yeah, just tell them to come in and talk to me. Yeah. I, I, Look, I we're starting classes all the time. Yeah. Small classes, which I, I honestly prefer that. I know Rich doesn't. Oh, yeah. From a financial standpoint, you know, the more you put in it. But really, what we're paying for a pool, it's yeah. not a huge savings. And, you know, the end result is, is you're building a better diver with the smaller classes. You have more time to focus on each individual. Yeah, you're probably your ratio of people who stay with it are better with the smaller classes. Yeah, probably so. I mean, because you you're, you're building a more confident, competent diver at the end. You've got more time to focus on their issues. Yeah, sales are pretty shitty. Yeah. It's that time of the year. Well, I think it's that time of the year, but I think that the dive industry is in that that realm where online is just going to continue to cannibalize it. It is. Yeah, it is. If you look at Amazon now. There, I can get stuff same day from Amazon now. Yeah. And that's just unbelievable. And it's gotten to the point now where Amazon's like, well, we, we look at Amazon first to find out how much it is. Then we hunt around and see if we get anything that's you know that's a better deal or better quality, and then frequently just buy it on Amazon. Yeah, and what's going to end up happening is is you're going to see a complete paradigm change. I mean, the local dive centers are going away, and it's going to come to a point where it's going to be hard to find a place to get an airfill. Oh yeah, yeah. you're you're not going to be able to. You're going to have to travel to get an airfill, or you're going to get it at a dive destination. And that's going to come down to that. And the only way you're going to get instruction is to travel, or you'll have these independent instructors. But the independent instructors will be few and far between because they can't afford to keep the equipment and get air fills and all that. That's yeah. an interesting time in this industry. It's And, and the industry is self-imploding. Yeah. 
the shops and the uh, manufacturers are doing some pretty stupid things. And yes, did I talk to you about the West Marine stuff? No. no, you're talking. You're probably talking to Rich about that. I, I noticed what West Marine's doing that, but that's not surprising. And it's well, it just tells me that if for, for equipment manufacturer to decide to go that route, they thought they had nothing to lose. But the thing is, if you look at the equipment manufacturers and who they are, they're not owned by divers anymore. You look at it. Like them, uh, that's um, Mars, was it? Mars, yeah. Yeah. They're under. Uh, God, who is it now that bought them? It wasn't Johnson, was it? No, it's not Johnson. Johnson's got Scuba Pro. Scuba Pro, that's right. I'm, I can't remember who it is that bought Mars, but they're a. Uh, they're just a huge conglomerate. Yeah. And you've got people that are making business decisions based upon what they're used to with retail instead of niche specialty marketing. Yeah. Well, what they're doing is you're looking... I mean, scuba is a niche sport. Yeah. Well, but the thing is it came from a mass sport to a niche. I mean, you look at... You used to be able to get scuba gear at, at Kmart. Yeah. And so, then everybody was like, oh, you can't do that because you need to get specialty instruction or you're going to die. Yeah. But I think we had more of a model like the UK does where, you know, the YMCA taught everybody. I mean, everybody just went to the local Y and did their course. And then you just, you know, the, those, the people teaching the course didn't sell any gear. So you then went to Kmart and bought it off the shelf. And, you know, but, you know, Kmart only stocked probably, you know, one or two of everything and you didn't have any selection. Right. But now you get the internet. You don't need Kmart. No. And with the, the generous return policies, you get something that doesn't fit, you send it back. It's not a big deal anymore. I don't know. I, I, I don't have any way of predicting what the industry is going to do, and I'm, I'm guessing I won't be able to be working full-time in it for much longer. just can't afford it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to figure out something. Because, I mean, that's the thing I've really got to change for the podcast. Because I need to be selling something or charging, right? Because you that, need to be getting something. Yeah, I got I got to get something, and you know what I've even thought about is uh, have a complimentary product. So I, I had one thing I wanted to do, which was a premium product that was dive related that you had to be a member to get to it. You know, and have to have some value, or somebody's willing to pay, you know, what would come down to be about three, about three bucks a month. And then you get access to all this stuff. Right. Which if Patty was smart, they would have, they could have something like that and be doing it. But I don't think they, they're capable of doing it. No, not right now. They get their heads up their asses. Yeah. With a lot of things right now. So they're, they're really pushing a lot of online stuff and they're pushing the instructors out of the picture. They're wanting people to do all of their knowledge development online because Patty makes the money from that. Yeah. Well, what I'm, what I'm wondering when it's going to happen is uh fallout from this case where they're not backing the, the uh, dive shop and the instructor. 
That's got no, to... they shouldn't. It's it's not that they're not backing it. It's going to come down to their response to questions from the membership. I mean, because the guy really did screw up bad. Did he? The guy I made a... some really egregious errors. Bad. Yeah, it's it's just bad all the way from the beginning. He was doing some really dumb things. But it's going to come down to the procedures that they put into place. The way that they... It, it's not what they did, it's how they did it. Because the end result would have been they would still would have expelled him, and they're not going to back him. But it's the way that information was shared with the plaintiff, and then Patty paying off and buying their way out of the suit, but still staying involved in it. There's just... There's a lot of things that they did that while not illegal, just weren't right. Well, that's the way it is with law in general, is that it's it's legal till it's illegal, and if you're a lawyer, as long as you're following within the law, then you're you're okay. I mean, the judge may go, you know, I'm not going to allow that, but it doesn't mean you're a criminal as an attorney. It just meant that his interpretation of how everything was, you can't do that. So that's really where you know, I I think they were trying to do something out of a, a fear that if they weren't there to manage it, it could become worse. And by handling it the way they did, they made it worse. Right. And what they really did that made it worse was their communication with the members. You know, instructors and dive shop owners and all that were, were asking our reps, what is going on with this? What is the deal? Oh, we can't say anything about that. I don't know anything about that. Well, the funny thing is, is when they settled, they could say something about it because they were no longer part of the case. But they stayed involved in the case. Well, they acted like they were involved in the case, and the judge, I think, I don't know if he has completely, but it sounds like he's going to say, you know what, you guys have no, no, no horse in this race. You can't be here. Yeah. I mean, um, you could be a an expert witness, but, I mean, you, I mean, you've settled. You're done. See you later. But the problem comes down to being he did violate standards and they're trying to show that his liability is because he did not take prudent action. And prudent action is proved by the standards from the training agency. Mm -hmm. So the training agency still has to be involved it's 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 kind of a complicated mess, but the problem is everybody's asking questions, and you know, you can't tell me that a Patty regional manager has never heard of this case. Oh no, he he he's playing dumb because it, he he has there's no good that's going to come out of it until this thing's completely over, right. and then Patty does a post review and says, okay guys, here's what really happened, here's how he did it. You know, if you're doing X, Y, and Z, you, you're not going to be treated like he was treated. But if you do this, yeah, we're going to drop you in a second. Yeah, well, there were a lot of things that they just, you know, immediately expelling the instructor. That's not the way that their quality assurance program works. He's going to go to a non-teaching status while under investigation, but he's not going to be expelled from Patty if you follow their procedures. 
uh-huh. and then they can come to the conclusion that yes, you're being expelled. And typically, if you have a fatality with a student, you're going to end up getting expelled just because you're dirty laundry now. Right. Whether you did wrong or not, you're you're probably going to end up getting expelled. They just don't want to touch you. But this guy did wrong. I mean, in the end, he he. If you read the stories uh, coming out of the court case, some of the uh, stuff that's come out, the statements from the people that were involved and him, he just did things that never should have occurred. The conditions were not... He should have never taken anybody in that water. And then, you know, you get the problem where now you're involving the Boy Scouts and now you need 2D oh, leadership yeah. and you know, two boys, two adults, and it, it just it's a complex mess. Mm-hmm. But Patty didn't help it. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I need uh, if you can come up with a price for me mm-hmm. for uh, basically a Boy Scout Discover Scuba. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say a lot of it hinges on how many. Yeah. What well, I I think we would do is we would come. We would just make a day trip and head over. Uh, it would be. I'm going to guess probably six scouts and then maybe three or four adults. Probably easier to just coordinate and find a pool in your area. I mean, would you guys do that? I mean, come oh, over? Sure. I mean, would you have gear? That, how... That's that's where we. it might be easier to bring you over here and fit everybody in and go to the pool. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. We would just, you know, instead of making Rich or you you know, do all that stuff, we would just, you know, get in the road real early, you know, meet at the shop and get everybody fitted up and then just do it. Because I'm thinking, what my thought was, we'll do Discover Scuba, Mm -hmm. which is just, you know, let them get their face in the water and find out if they even like it or not. Pretty much. And then, you know, if anybody wants to go the rest of the way, then we would work out some sort of way of doing training. And that's not too hard to coordinate. Have you guys yep. done any scouts yet? Um, we have not done any of the merit badge programs. I've done a mm-hmm. lot of scout groups. Um, I used to, back in Newark, we did a lot of Girl Scouts mm-hmm. with uh, snorkeling. And we would do a snorkeling class and then a Discover Scuba along with it, mm-hmm. which was it was kind of weird. But we were doing big groups, but we were putting six instructors in the pool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I would bother with uh, snorkel. The reason is is that at summer camp, they they have a nice snorkel program, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, but I don't I don't recommend. Even though they can do scuba at summer camp, I don't recommend it because that's all you do. Right. It's like that's a, what you were saying. <laughs> you spend a week at camp, and then half your time is driving down to the dive shop from camp to go and do all yep. the work. The only time you're really at camp is eat dinner and go to bed. Yeah. Yeah, they, that guy never called me. I, I need to corner him. I think by the time that summer camp's over, he was burned out and ready to go back. Plus, these are all, you know, young 20-somethings, not quite sure what their life is going to be. Right. Yeah, that's, that's pretty common. Yeah. But, yeah, that's, yeah, if I'll... 
we didn't have a meeting this week because of the, the school kids haven't had they had school Monday and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday they've been well and tomorrow they'll be off. Same same at my house down in Ohio. They've got the same weather we have here except less snow. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's cold, cold, cold everywhere. This is a I mean, this looks like this got just about everybody. Yeah, it it really has. All right, well, I'll talk to Rich about a Discover program, see who we can come up with. I'm sure we can come up with a good price. Yeah, I'd like to do it. It's all gonna, it's, it's going to be a weekend, probably a Saturday, right? Yeah, a Saturday. I don't. I, I mean, we probably could do a Sunday, but I'm thinking a Saturday. Saturday works better. Yeah. Sunday never works good for that kind of stuff because yeah. Sunday everybody's getting back in the mode of getting back to school and work and all that. But but I kind of like to do it here in this you know, late January or, you know, or through February type. type That's the best time. That's the best time. Yeah. And I'm just thinking that because in that way I'm not fighting with other stuff. Right. This is a minimal impact period. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'll I'll talk to him about uh, that and we'll see what we can put together. And the, the ages, we don't, we don't really have, too many, there might be, uh, are, we have one who's young, like maybe 12. 10 is the age. And then, oh yeah, everybody, everybody, these are all Boy Scouts, so they're all it's about that. Off. Yeah, and then everybody else is going to be uh, probably 14. I don't think, maybe a couple, you know, 14 in a month type to 17. So. Uh, that works perfect. Yeah, they're all pretty experienced, hardy scouts. Yeah, that, that's that's a good age group. Yeah, and, that, and it's just logistics and just getting paperwork over there to have done ahead of time, which is yeah. it's nothing. And then you know I'll 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 be available to help out. And then the scoutmaster is actually a, a certified diver who's who hasn't dove in like fifteen years. Yes, yeah, so we'll throw him in to do the discover too, so he yeah. can re- remember what what it tastes like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I, I I expect I'll probably have a couple other adults I can talk into doing it. Yeah, we we've got enough staff also. We get plenty of people who would just show up to do stuff. Okay. That's cool. usually not an issue. Yeah, and I've got to sign up for some classes sometime this year. Yeah. Get Jim back in the water too. Yeah, he, he uh, I talked to him and he his New Year's resolution is to go and do some diving. So I'm gonna hold him to it. It seems to be what you gotta do sometimes. Although he should have the business pretty much established by now. Yeah, I noticed that. Well and his son's stepping into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's he's able to get a little bit more time. His problem is he's a workaholic because he's he's at that point where the business is doing good, but it's like every minute you work in the business is more money you make. Right, right. So when you stop working, you stop making money. So if you take Friday afternoons off, that's you know one what sixteenth of your pay that you now are cutting out. So right. He's not quite to that point, but 
yeah, I, I, he he's gone from the startup phase to now it's just the run and optimize. And then I expect in the next couple of years we'll get to being the old man with the huge accounts receivable and you know where where you could stop for six months and you're still making enough to live on. Yeah, float you a bit. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I'm gonna head to bed. Okay. It's about that time. Well, thanks again, and we'll talk to you later. No problem. Good talking to you. Yep. Bye. Bye.